It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, Digital Sports Commons Center, with Rick Broering. We're going to touch on uh, local topics, national topics, and no gambling picks this week just because it's such a fluid week, and I'm not even sure we're going to have games played. Who knows? As uh, It's been a weird last 12 hours before we do this podcast. We're doing it on a Thursday morning, and honestly, by the time this is up, we don't know if there'll be... Tournament games still being played, if Major League Baseball will make decisions, what's going to happen with the NFL draft in a month. I mean, in all seriousness, I, I don't know. Do you know? Shelf life on this one might not be It might not longest. be long, exactly. So we for, forgive us, but we're doing our best as, as we can. We're doing this on a Thursday morning. we got a lot to touch on. Rick, take it away. Well, we'll start with the story that everyone is talking about, the impact of the coronavirus on our country, and in our case, specifically the sports world. The NBA suspended its season on Wednesday after a player for the Utah Jazz tested positive for the coronavirus. All of the major conference basketball tournaments are proceeding without fans in attendance as it stands right now. The NCAA tournament will be played without fans starting next week, at least as it stands right now. The CBI has been canceled. There are numerous other cancellations. That's, the one, that's the one that hurts for, me the most. The CBI. I knew that was going to really tear you up. I love betting Presbyterian Tulsa games. I just love it. <laughs> there are numerous other cancellations or adjustments being made for sporting events. So, Skinny, what do you think should be done with regard to the coronavirus and athletic events. Are the drastic measures being taken in overreaction? The right call? Not enough. Two days ago when I heard that um, the OHSAA was probably going to play their tournament games without fans, I thought, man, what a, what a weak need overreaction that was. And within a day, you then have the NCAA making a decision that I thought was a weak need overreaction. And then a player test positive, right? And in the NBA, and that led to the NBA suspending things. And it made me say, you know what? Let's just shut this stuff down until they get a handle on this. Because I'm not smart enough to know all the ins and outs. I've heard doctors speak on the topic. There's no panic. But I, I, one doctor I heard um, over overnight made the point of the reason to do this is you're just you're trying to kind of keep it from spiking even more. Because one person leads to five, leads to ten, leads to twenty, leads to how many ever. So. Keep the, keep the large gatherings not only at a minimum, just eliminate them for a period of time till you get a handle on it. Then hopefully this gets eradicated and we can go back to business as usual. Um, like I said, I, I thought two days ago the OHSA made an overreaction, but after, after Rudy Gobert tested positive, and how many people did he come in contact with? Who knows when, when and where and, and what? I, I don't think it is any longer. I, I don't. It sucks. It sucks. I mean, it sucks. There's like, no question. I, I this totally is, get. This is the week. These are the. These are the two weeks that we all love the most in sports. The 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 week of conference tournament basketball. Baseball's getting close. Um, and then the NCAA tournament first first weekend. And now it just feels like an, it's anticlimactic. Even though even if they do play it, I've ranked my ten favorite days of the year on Twitter before. I've retweeted it multiple times, and it includes multiple days in the next month. Where does Bastille Day rank for you? Not on the list. It's not on the top 10? Not on the top 10. Watching Hoosiers has got to be I in think that I list, had around though, right? 271st. National Watching Hoosiers Day is in there, right? Skinny, please. <laughs> okay, sorry. Lock in one time. For I'm me. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, My mind wanders. As you know, I'm an old man. Yeah, you really are. It just are. wanders. Go ahead. I, I, th- I think they're doing the right thing, obviously. Like you said, we, I mean, we're not doctors, you know, and this stuff is scary. It's the unknown right now. Does it feel like some of this stuff is an overreaction based on. 
the experiences we've had with other viruses. Right. Sure. Right. But this isn't like those other viruses. We don't know what what's going to happen with this. So it's really just fruitless for us to sit here and argue with with the experts who uh, should be taking care of this. Um, at the same time, I don't think it's like a situation where you can quit living your life altogether. No, right? I mean, yeah. You, I, and my big brain isn't smart enough to like handle this. I can't care about things like this. Like I understand logically why it's dangerous, why we should take precautions at the same time. My daily life will not change at all. And I won't Agreed. spend more than five seconds thinking about until it until they officially say we're quarantining every member of the United States and you are not allowed out of your house for two days. Or we will shoot you like the purge. Yeah. Then I'm living my life as normal. I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to 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 to. I'm going to do anything, everything I've always done. Unless they tell me I'm not showing up for my overnight shift here in the local 12 newsroom, which, by the way, will be the exact last place <laughs> to call off and, yes. uh, and quarantine and that's, tell us that's to stay correct. home. That's correct. So it ain't going to happen. That's when I'll start you know, worrying about it and letting it affect my daily life. Until then, it's not going to. Um, but unfortunately, I do think it is going to take away the NCAA tournament from us as it looks like we're headed right now. Yeah, I... I I'd have a hard time believing there, there was as we're doing this on a Thursday morning. There had been some talk um, that conference tournaments were probably not going to finish. Um, I just saw something before we started this podcast that said the Big Ten and the Big Twelve were going to play their games today. But we saw how quickly how quickly did that stuff happen last night? That initially it was the Warriors are not going to play games with fans. Okay, to I literally I, I can't. I was flipping through. I might have even just gone to NBA Network for some quick reason. And started seeing, okay, the Rudy Gobert story broke. They had a game that was getting ready to be played between Sacramento and somebody. All of a sudden, they took those players off the floor and said, wait, the official here worked the game Rudy Gobert was at. That's over. And then finally decided, we're just shutting the whole thing down. And I guess that's when it gets real is when there is a player, there's a, there's a, there's a name involved, right? Now there's, now there's, and maybe this is the thing, there's somebody tangible, right, in one of these sports that you go, oh, he's got it. Well, and then you got Fred Hoiberg getting sick on the, the bench flu. while he's coaching he's the game. The flu. Yeah, he's got the actual flu. Dude, get away! What are you doing for your team's How terrible does that anyway? Possibly happen on a day like yesterday. Right, everyone's talking about that. How could you possibly go coach a game on national television while you're ill? That's about as stupid as it gets. And plus, your team sucks, so it didn't matter, Fred, whether you were there. In fact, that might have been a blessing in disguise. Say, I don't have to. I'm going to go vomit in the, in, the, in the instead of vomiting on the floor watching you guys play. I'll go vomit back in the in the locker room. You would have taken vomit. that opportunity. Yes, I would have taken if I was Fred Hoiberg. So, yeah, I I know for fans, the reaction is that this is over the top, and I do get that. I get the people that say, "Oh, this is just the flu, and nobody's nobody's really dying from it unless you're of a certain age." I get all of that, but if doctors are telling us to do this. I'm going to listen to the doctors. I just am. I, I, I'm, I'm going to listen to them. Yeah, I, I think most people feel that way. Um, some people are trying to turn it into political lines, which they do with everything Correct. now in, in 2020. But I think most people feel the way we do. But that doesn't take away the fact that it sucks. I mean, it is really going to suck oh, the next I, couple I, weeks if we don't get to watch the NCAA I tournament. Both of us are Northern Kentuckians, right? And I guarantee you know people that were probably going to Nashville to see Kentucky play in the SEC tournament. Every time it's there, it's filled with Kentucky fans. I know a ton of people that were going to go down. And so I know that sucks for them, right? And, and probably for them, it's, why are you doing this? I, I've, I've planned for a year for this. Well, I'm sorry. This is just the way it is. It sucks. I get it, man. It looks I do. like opening day is probably going to be taken away from us here yes. in Cincinnati. I mean, the, the parade's already been at least postponed. It sounds like it's going to be canceled. Um, I can't imagine Major League Baseball is going to start normally. I can't, I, can't, I can't believe it would either. I, I just don't. Back to your point, though, is how fast all that news was developing. There's those nights on Twitter 
where it's just different and you're like that's a memorable night I always remember right. all the tweets seen and you fly were, across the for those who don't know you work overnight so you saw it evolve from really the start of this through the overnight hours yeah because uh, you know the xavier game was going on right he's turning right. going on so i was watching those games and watching that happen and again you had this weird thing with like sarah palin rapping baby got back on the masked singer which would have been a story uh, in its own right, right had right. this whole coronavirus thing not been going on it was I wouldn't say a good night on Twitter because it wasn't good. It was eerie and it was weird. And I think there was a lot of people that were legitimately very scared. I'm too dumb to be one of them. I am too. But it was it was a night I will never forget on social media. By the way, I watch three TV shows. I watch sporting events and I'm usually too busy to watch much TV. Better Call Saul. Nope. I like that show. Oh. I, I, I like, I've seen the show. I, I, I wish I could get into it. Now, Hawaii Five-0, <laughs> Blue Bloods, believe it or not, The Masked Singer. The Masked Singer. I love The Masked Singer, dude. I don't know What'd why. What do you think about Sarah Palin's performance? I had, on see, it, I, I DVR it, so I hadn't seen it yet. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I, you've, you've got a spoiler alert on me, but that's okay. My bad. I think I, I probably could have told. I, I could have picked her voice out. I think I could have picked. So her voice I just out. ruined that for you. You had not seen the clip of Sarah not. Palin rapping no, "Baby Got no, Back." No, I had not. That's okay though. It's I, all right. I'll live. I'll live. Man. I'll live. I, I'm sorry for no, ruining that. It's for okay. You. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live. I, I'm like one of those that that don't tell me the end of Game of Thrones. I I don't really care. I really didn't understand how important that show was to you. One of my three. All right, there we go. <laughs> if there is an NCAA tournament next week, we know at least one local team will be dancing. Mm. As NKU punched its ticket Tuesday night with a 71-62 win over UIC in the Horizon League Championship. Jalen Tate was named the tournament's most valuable player, and Tyler Sharp was also named the All Tournament Team. Skinny, there has been a lot of storylines with this NKU team. It's been a fun team to cover. What's your favorite storyline from NKU's Horizon League Championship? I, I think it's the sustainability of the program. I, I, that's probably an overriding macro answer to it. It's not just what John Brandon did. It's what John Brandon built. And maybe even to a small degree, what Dave Beasold started to build before John Brandon. And Dave really didn't have the the opportunity to finish the deal out. But he was charged with the tough transitional period. Let's not forget he still recruited Drew McDonald. He did recruit he Drew was McDonald. The, he was the only one who You're wanted right. Drew McDonald good, at NKU. That, that's a very good point. And he actually had a kid that, if he'd stayed at NKU, Taylor Persons, who went to Ball State, would have been a, a first-team all-league player, too, probably. Yeah, so, he was uh, on the all-freshman team in the A-Sun. Yeah, the I, I, you know, based on – think about this. You lost your head coach, right? You lost the, the best player in school history, and, and somebody's going to have to go a long ways to top Drew McDonald as best player in school history, right? They're going to yeah, have to – I don't – There's going to have to be some cat that's – Really, 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 really spectacular to top that. You lost a seven-foot center who probably would have been your starting center, right? You yeah. transferred no, Chris Vogt. No probably is about it. Yeah. Um, and you still were able to win the conference championship. Win 20-plus games. And it wasn't some seventh-seed magical run. They were arguably the second-best team in the league all year. Despite and, all the injuries. Despite all the injuries. And still wound up winning winning the championship. And, um, I mean, Tip of the cap to Darren Horn for, for doing that, but I think it also shows that the program has sustainability to it. Yeah, on that, it's kind of similar to your point. I think my favorite one is the idea of Dantes Walton and Jalen Tate who committed to this program when there was no reason Right, to. no, I mean, right. just nothing to commit for other than, hey, we want you to be the face of our program. We want you to be the guys that lead us into all the success that we're going to have. And at that point, it's a pipe dream. You're selling them on that. You're not even eligible for the NCAA tournament at that time. So you have nothing to really pitch to these guys except for a losing record in Division One at this point. And a nice facility. A nice facility. That's about it. And the opportunity to carve their own path, which is what they said made them want to come to NKU. And Dantes Walton is going to the NCAA tournament 
three out of his four years, and the other year he went to the NIT. NIT and played Louisville. It's pretty good. What a career that's been. And then Jalen Tate, he redshirted that first year, but he's been around for all those trips. And, and think of the postseason memories for these guys, right? You played Kentucky toe-to-toe. You played Louisville in the NIT, but you played at Louisville. Yeah. Iconic program, one of the five probably Blue Buds, if you want to rank the top five. Then you played Texas Tech, which then goes on to get to the championship game. So you, you can look and go. Well, and, we're in, the, and you're in the game at halftime. You're in the game at halftime, right. I mean, think about those members, and you still got one more crack at this as long as they play the tournament. Yeah, it's just it's been a really fun team to cover. Uh, this this past it wasn't weekend; it was a beginning of the week, I guess. Monday and Tuesday was just a weird two days because you get Wright State getting upset in that first round, and then you got to sweat out right. NKU against Green Bay. You have to play Green Bay, who beat you on your home court. UIC, who beat you on your home By court. By thirty. Yeah, and and they found a way. Uh, it was it was fun to watch. At this team, it's funny because we were talking to coaches after the game during the post game show, and I asked Eric Hout, one of the assistants. Do you feel yet like you guys have hit your stride or are playing your best basketball finally because you've had so many injuries right. and it's been a process? He's like, not really. Like, if we had another month of the season, I think we would get there. But he's like, as it is, we're, we're happy. And obviously, we, we ended up winning the championship. I, I would say this because they're probably going to be a 15 seed, right? I mean, I can't imagine it's they get to the 14 way, line. Yeah, I mean, initially people were placing on the 16 line, which I can't seemed, buy, I can't buy that. seemed a little shocking, but then you do you do have to remember they lost at home to Texas Southern and they lost at Detroit, two teams that are outside the fair top enough. 250. Yeah, fair enough. So I could see where maybe that costs them. I don't think they'd be in the play-in game as a 16, but I could be, see them as, as a 16 one. Their name recognition for the tournament committee, though, gives you a little... I, seed line cachet, not much. I think it does actually. Yeah, I, I do too. I did see on Bracket Matrix this morning they've been moved to the last fifteen seed. So okay. now I do have a feeling we might see them be wherever Dayton is. Whether Dayton's a one or a right. two, we might right. see them paired up with Dayton because it makes a lot of sense as a regional game yeah. for the NCAA yeah. purposes. Yeah, I could I could see that in Cleveland before no fans. So there we go. <laughs> well, no matter where they're playing, <laughs> they're going to be before, before, before no, no fans. fans. That's a good call. That's a good point. Xavier led DePaul with 5.33 to play in the opening round of the Big East Tournament Wednesday night, only to be outscored by the Blue Demons 9-4 the rest of the way as the Musketeers' trip to NYC was cut short with a 71-67 loss. I'll ask you this, Skinny, simply, are the Musketeers done for the year? Well, they won't be playing in the CBI. We know that. I, I do think they would get an IT bid, so I don't think they're done for the year, but I think I think they had to beat DePaul to get in the NCAA Tournament, Rick. I do. I I I know that going in, they were probably an 11 seed. And, and, and we again, have to assume the NIT is going to be canceled, though, right? Yeah, because I mean, it'll be at home arenas, right? And, right. And, and that's the part that's going to be iffy. If you're not going to have a NCAA well, no, fan. And there's no point in playing that. Well, like, and, the NCAA and, tournament, and, I get if you're right. going to try to play that. No, but. I agree with you. And I think the CBI and the NIT and whatever the college insider, yeah. so many colleges are, are basically telling their kids leave. I mean, I can't there's imagine no you have point. games at home sites. Yeah, there's point, no point. Right? There's no money in it. You're just costing yeah. everybody money, and it's a consolation. That's yeah, a good point. So, so I don't yeah, think there's I, any I, chance for an I think the way you phrase the question, I think they are done. I, I I thought they had to beat DePaul. Just avoid that loss. Go beat DePaul, and that would have been enough. That would have that would have sewn you up on the eleven line. It now just opens the door for those teams below you to bubble up ahead of you. And I know we could argue, and I have to look at side by side metrics of this between Xavier and UC, and you have the tiebreaker of the win over UC. But I, I just if UC gets to the finals or a conference tournament, I just can't see them not getting a bid and, and Xavier getting one. See, and I, I can't see any logical explanation. I mean, maybe if they win their conference tournament, then you have okay, they they got a share of the regular season. Well, title. if they win the tournament, then they're then they're, they get the automatic. Right, right, and, and and but I mean, just to get their resume to the point where it would be better than I know, Xavier's I is know. what I'm saying because. I know. 
They have four Quadrant 3 losses. No, no I, I, I fully understand that. Xavier has zero. They have about the same amount of Quadrant 1 and Quadrant 2 wins. They are... They won the head-to-head matchup. And this will be the, the litmus test, I think, to a large degree, if Xavier doesn't get into UC does. Let, let's say, for argument's sake, I, I do think UC is now going... With it. I think all along, UC was going to have to at least get to the conference championship game. I think because... The, the but, game, the, but, the, what, but if you're looking at what that means for UC, that means a win over UCF or USF. And which then isn't going to be quality. Right. A win over Wichita or, or UConn. UConn, which... Okay, but does that really bump you ahead of somebody? I, I, I think in this case, and this is where I said, this is going to be the litmus test of do you look strictly at some of the metrics that, that the committee uses or do you have to use common sense that says, listen, they won their conference regular season and they got to their conference championship game. We, they're in. We, I mean, I don't care if they're on the 12 seed line. They're in. As opposed to, and if not, if but that's it, just it, a slippery but hear me slope. Out, but hear me out. Right. It, but then the other metrics are, and this is where you're going to use the comparison, the side-by-side. We'll just use the two local teams, Xavier and Cincinnati. You can look and go, Xavier's resume is a little bit stronger than Cincinnati's, and they beat them head-to-head despite everything that our visual just showed us. Xavier losing in the first round of their conference tournament. Cincinnati getting to their conference tournament finals. Xavier finishing sub-500 in their league, which doesn't matter. But I think that's the litmus test here of what are they going to value. And if they're going to value the whole metrics straight down the board, then I think teams better start figuring out their scheduling a little bit better. But I mean, what is the argument for UC over Xavier other than they had a winning record in conference? That's about. That, that's about. I mean, again, the fact that you won your co- but that, conference. And, but that's and a slippery I, I, slope because of the fact if you're going to continue mm. to expand these power conferences like the Big Ten and the Big East and the ACC, you're going. You're all, right. These, I'm not, I'm you're not telling you You're going to have these big conferences disband if all of a sudden they're being. If they're being harmed by being in a bigger conference that has a lot of good teams in it, so I don't see the NCAA going down that route. In fact, the last you're two years right, we right? haven't seen that at all. No, we saw Oklahoma probably, get yeah, in that, four that, games that, under five hundred in the conference. That's a legit point. No, last year. it just it doesn't pass the eyeball test, though, right? It just it, it oh, doesn't I, to me. Look, I'm fully on board with not letting this Xavier team in the tournament. I would not want them in the tournament after watching last night's game against DePaul and they finished you know losing three in a row. But then you look at the teams that need like Stanford. Just lost three in a three in a row and closed out by lost, losing. Lost a cow to Cal, who's like one fifty in yeah. in the net. Terrible. Good night. So, so night, it's night. Like, you're right. So it's like that's one of the teams that would need to jump yeah, Xavier if they're going to fall out. Uh, we talked about UC already. UCLA is another one who really doesn't have the wins at all, but I think they actually have one of the better resumes. Um, they have a quadrant three and a quadrant four loss, but they do have two wins over Arizona, right. um, including a win at Arizona, which is 14th. That's one of the only teams on the bubble that has a better win than Xavier does, the the win at Seton Hall, which was 15th in Ken Palm on the road. Um, you know, Richmond doesn't really have the measures, although I think they have a more interesting case because they just didn't have the opportunities to play the games. They have a winning record against quad one, quad two, which is something a lot of teams don't have, and they only have one quadrant three loss. And a chance to get Dayton. I mean, they still have that chance to get Dayton. Yeah, and I mean, if that happens, then I think they're definitely in. Right. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, NC State is interesting because they have the win at Duke. It's at home, but they have the win over Duke and a couple other big and they, wins. they have Duke in the ACC tournament after their win over Pitt, and there's a belief that they have to beat Duke to probably get themselves in. So right, if they lose they that game, then... Because they don't have the wins, and they have two quadrant three losses, too. Um, Texas, they're, they're a team... They've got one of the... They don't have the wins. I know. But, but then they have a win at home over West, West Virginia, which is 17th in the net. 
They have a win at Texas Tech, which is 22 in the net, along with some other nice and, wins in the 50 and, to 70 range. And for the record, and this, zero bad losses. And they have Texas Tech in the quarterfinals of the uh, of the of the Big 12. So right. And if they win that, then right. I think they're probably in. Um, and then Mississippi State, I don't see a way that they could possibly leave Xavier. Their best win is at Florida, um, and they've got two quadrant three losses. So again, those are basically the only teams in the mix to leap ahead of Xavier. None of them have a better resume in terms of. Uh, quadrant one quadrant two wins versus no bad losses like Xavier does and then you look at them only two of those teams have a better win than Xavier it's no yeah I, I you're you're making a great case I so it I just doesn't pass logic, the eyeball test right I mean that's the thing for me and I know yeah, that's not the be, way to do it it's going strictly be narrative driven and basically going back to the old last 10 games matter to us which we've been told time and time again doesn't it doesn't matter right, anymore right so logically there's no real reason to keep Xavier out of this tournament but I am totally fine if the committee decides to yeah, do that and, because and, this and, is not a tournament quality team in and, my opinion and, and I would say this, if you don't make it, and it, it will be by the skin of the teeth either way, either they make it as one of the last at-larges in, if not maybe the last at-large in, or they're one of the first couple out, right? You still had your opportunity. Go beat the poll. Go beat Butler at home. Go take care of your business. Yeah, they go, have go, no one to play. Yeah, go take themselves. care of your business. I don't feel bad at all for this team getting in. I'm not trying to even argue their oh, case. I know you're really not. No, I, think I, think, I, think you, I think you lay out a great case for what the committee has to look but at. But I just see everyone freaking out right. about them not being in, and I keep I don't see that necessarily being the case when I look at it. And and again, if we measure the again the the, the UC versus Xavier. I still would have to come back if all things are... If you look at the resumes and you want to give UC a little bump up for getting in their conference championship game, winning their conference regular season, which I do. I still value that. I'm probably one of the few that does. I don't know if the committee does, but I do. But if you want to put those... Let's just say if you weigh all that, you go, they're even. We, I mean, these are our last two teams. Which one do we pick? Well, then I got to go to head-to-head, right? I, I just do. I have to go head-to-head. I would head. think that would matter still. Yeah. I mean, I know we're getting into this metrics era, but I would think a head-to-head win would still matter somewhat. Yeah, especially if you're down to maybe... It, it may come down to those two. Yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be. I look. I think um, looking at uh, Bracketville, which was the top, it's the number one performer on Bracket Matrix over the last five years. He put out a tweet this morning following Xavier's loss, saying that he expects them to be right around the cut line. Yeah. So he does not think they're yeah. out yet. He thinks they're yeah. going to be right there. And that's what I think. I think with the loss, I said this originally when they won at Georgetown. I said that was enough to get them in, and I said. If they lose out the rest of the way, including a loss to DePaul in the first round, I think they're in the play-in game at that point. And that's still where I would put them okay. if it were me. No, yeah, yeah, I, I'll be honest with you. I think you're probably right. I, I do think you're probably right. I don't know right. that the committee will agree with me. No, but I think when you're I, probably right. Breaking this down... Analytically. It, it seems tough to argue that they're going to be all the way out. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great, great breakdown. If Xavier does miss the NCAA tournament, it will mark the second year in a row in which the Musketeers have been denied entry to the dance. Travis Steele is 38-28 and 28 in his two years as head coach, a winning percentage of 576. Skinny, is Travis Steele in trouble if the Musketeers miss the tournament? If not, when will it become a problem? I, you, he's not, you give him a third year. I mean, that part to me is a minimum. But I think this, if they don't make it, it's make it or bust next year, right? You can't go three straight years not making it. Well, here's the thing. I don't think Xavier's in a position that they can afford to be buying out a coach with the level of buyout from what I understand Travis Steele has for the next two years and pay another coach that's right. quality. So I think he has two years regardless. Do you really? I do. because Get him through four years is what you're saying. I think so. Wow. And I think you almost have to – I almost think you don't have a choice. And I understand fans will say it's unacceptable. In a vacuum, you're saying it's unacceptable at Xavier to not miss the tournament three years in a row. I would agree with that statement in theory. It sounds great, right? That's something you want to say as a program of Xavier's caliber. At the same time, when you look at it in practice of the situation they're currently in. Okay, 
You missed an entire recruiting class because of failures due to the previous staff, which Travis was on, so he can share a blame in that yep, for sure. Yep. Um, but also, in this day and age, when a staff leaves, it's pretty tough to keep recruits together almost no matter where you yes. are. Yes. Okay, right? so let me give you the nuclear option. Let's say they go 14 and 16 next year. Well, hold on. Let's let's okay. see this through right, before good. we go nuclear. Okay, good. Okay? You, you, so you lose an entire class. So that obviously hurt the development. You weren't able to turn this thing around as quickly as you may have liked to and backfill what you needed to behind Najee Marshall and Paul Scruggs. Quentin Gooden, Tyreek Jones, that proved to be a group of guys that weren't complimentary pieces and weren't going to work out. You can place some of it on the coaching staff. You can place all of it on the coaching staff if you want, but I tend to think most coaches deserve the opportunity to get their own guys in there and see their roster. I think that's, I've always thought that's fair. I've always thought when you give a coach five years, he should get five years. I've always believed that. Especially one that was inherently flawed, right? Because they couldn't shoot at all. They had no skill. They had no feel, no offensive IQ. So you have this freshman class, which was supposed to be good, and... Kiki Tandy, Zach Fremantle, both look like good players. They look like they're going to be, they were immediate impact guys this year. They both look like they're going to be pretty significant pieces as sophomores. Well, right behind them, you've got one of your best recruiting classes in school history, maybe the most talented player ever to commit to Xavier and Dwan Odom. You have two more guys, right, that are borderline top 100 in, in CJ Wilcher and Colby Jones, both which would seem to bring some feel and IQ and the type of stuff you need. So those guys are going to be, Good, I think, and you're gonna you're gonna add them to Kiki and Zach Fremantle, and who knows what Dante uh, Deontay Miles might be down the right, line for you, right. and maybe even Daniel Ramsey. But they're still gonna be freshmen next year, so you're probably not gonna be that good next year either, because you're still gonna have either another grad transfer or something like that adding to the mix and new pieces and sophomores and freshmen leading your team. So if you there's a good chance you will miss it next year, and do you think then? The coach leaving and the potential for all those young guys, the nucleus to, leave, built, too. to leave too, is the best idea to be good in year four? I don't think that's going to help you if you're trying to get your program back on track. Can, so you, whether, sell, can you sell that to your fan base, though? It, do, is it that, doesn't matter. Well, here's the thing. Is, is this fan base loyal enough to stick through this and, and, and swallow there, hard and go, No I fan base pro- is. I see the progress. I see it coming. I don't see it immediately, but I, but I think it's around the corner and this guy can do it. No, they're not. No okay. fan base is. No fan base is built that way. Baylor wanted Drew out for years. Five years, he didn't win. Jay Wright, Villanova fans wanted him out. For five years, he wouldn't win. And now look at the situation both of those programs are in. It can take time, especially when you're in Xavier's situation where you weren't the top dog anymore. You're in the Big East. You don't spend like the other teams in the Big East do. Knowing, You're in the middle of the pack in no, that conference. Knowing Greg Christopher, and he, and he doesn't seem to be a completely reactionary AD. Not at all. And I, I thought He's he, a sharp guy. I thought he was patient with Brian Neal, the women's coach, and Brian went through a very tough circumstance of, of kind of getting plopped into the head coaching chair um, very quickly after after the, the previous head coach left. Um and he stuck with Brian, and I think he. he that, I thought that that showed that he's not completely knee jerk reactionary. And I don't. I, I think in your case, I think you're probably right. Well, and I think he also can see the context behind it, right? If Travis Steele wasn't recruiting well, and you were like, these freshmen aren't getting any better that he just brought in. These guys didn't develop at all this year. There's no hope. Or hey, the pieces were in place the last two years. We should have been really good still. If you would have had like a Trayvon Blewett to go with this team, or like a Jaron Cumberland, like you see his head, and you couldn't find a way, then yeah, that, that's a major problem. But as it turned out, this roster didn't turn out to be the what they thought it would be when they recruited this class no, a few the, years the, ago. The, the Paul game was the microcosm of the season, right? Yeah. I mean, you got, you, got, you got your star playing pretty well, Najee Marshall, Tyreek Jones playing pretty well, Fremantle played really well, and then the, the other pieces didn't. But yeah, except for Najee Marshall is still making 
just careless yes, turnovers yeah, yeah. and dogging it on plays that are crucial yes. in the biggest game of the year. And that's but that's been, the microcosm. And, and exactly. And that's the problem. When your leaders are that, it's tough to win, especially when you don't have complimentary pieces to go with them. Najee Marshall has had some incredible moments this season. He's been really clutch at the end of a lot of games. But you also didn't have the types of shooters and skilled guys that could space the floor and make Najee, Paul, Quentin Good, and Tyreek Jones more effective in the lane where they where they can score. Yeah. All right, so let's go back and wrap this in a, in a neat bow then. Do you think he gets the four years no matter what? I think he does because I just don't think Xavier can afford. One, I think they understand the recruiting situation that he has and that these two classes are pretty good, so you probably want to give them the chance to get that next year's class in their sophomore year. And we're, we're taking this. I mean, they could still get in, right? I mean, so then, then all of a sudden this becomes really a moot point. Right. You, you, f- you found a way to get this team into the tournament in your second year with with – the light at the end of the tunnel coming. And let's not forget with Chris Mack, if he doesn't get that first team to the Sweet 16 unexpectedly after they backed their way into the tournament, right. he probably people are probably saying the same thing about him because he missed the tournament the next year, and then he went to the play-in game and lost to NC State the yep. following year after that. So he was really in a very similar spot to the one Travis Steele is in right now, except that he had Jordan Crawford, Two Holloway, right. uh, Mark Lyons, right. Kenny Freeze on that first year, and they found a way once they backed their way into the tournament to get it done. Um, and that was in the A-10, too, those first right. two years. Right. You know, right. So I, I just I think you, you have to give Travis the time, and I'm not saying him he and his staff have done enough to prove that they are going to be good, but at the same time, they certainly haven't proven that they can't get it done either. Yeah, it's fair. an incomplete grade right now. Cincinnati will begin playing the AAC tournament on Friday at 1 p.m. The Bearcats are the number one seed in the AAC and will take on the winner of number eight seeded UCF and number nine seeded USF. If they win that, they'll get one of the they'll get one of Wichita State, UConn, or Tulane in the semifinals on Saturday. Skinny, what do you think Cincinnati needs to do to make the NCAA tournament? Yeah, we, I know we've talked we, a little we, we bit. We talked about a little bit. I, I, I think you gotta you gotta get to the championship game. Um, I, I, I do think. You might get a small break if it's UConn you face as opposed to Wichita. And I only say that because if UConn beats you, I don't think it's as damning as Wichita beating you because then Wichita adds to its resume. Even though you beat Wichita twice, then the committee can look. And we talked about this on the college basketball podcast. You, you did the phone segment. We talked. Chad and I talked about this, and he agreed. Um, you don't give the committee the whole... Yeah, I know Cincinnati beat them twice, but my gosh, they were so close. And now when it mattered most, Wichita got them. And Wichita, actually technically, based on their resume and based on what, what you see from brackets and even bracket matrix, they're technically in, I think, at the moment. Yeah. And UC is not, or UC is a 12, whatever. So Wichita is technically ahead of them. So you can't lose to the team that's already ahead of you, right? You, you need to go beat them. That's correct, yeah. And that may be a play-in game. It really may be. That may be the one that's a play-in game. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's probably right because I don't think the committee is going to give the AAC extra teams when it comes down to that cut line. They're giving them two. They're exactly. Giving them two max. I, I don't think they're going to say, oh, you know what? They they both did enough. We're going to go ahead and add an extra AAC H- team H- in there. Houston is in. They're a seven seed right now, maybe an eight, but they're comfortably in. in. Um, so that, that part's not an issue. They're comfortably in. And right so, now it's Wichita State, and UC is in according to Bracket Matrix right now. But or if somebody else the wins the conference line. tournament, yeah. then it's the conference tournament winner. And Houston. Bye-bye, everybody else. I think that's right. All right, Kentucky awaits the winner of ninth-seeded Alabama and eighth-seeded Tennessee on Friday at noon. The Wildcats would then likely take on fifth-seeded Florida or fourth-seeded Mississippi State in the semis at noon on Saturday. 
UK is currently the top fourth seed, according to Bracket Matrix. Skinny, what do you think is the upside for John Calipari's teams in terms of seeding, and what are their chances of winning the SEC championship? I think the chances are really good. Um, look, they're 13-2 and in their last 15 games, and the two losses were at Auburn, and there was some questionable officiating, but it's still Auburn's really good, and it was at Auburn. And the other one was they just crapped down their pants the last 10 minutes against Tennessee and lost the 17-point lead and blew the game. And obviously there was the rift that was going on with the whole Ashton Hagens thing, and that maybe factored into it as well. But bounced back and beat Florida at Florida coming from 18 down. 13-2 and two in the last 15 to me, and the only two blemishes are the ones I just mentioned. That tells me they are clearly the team to beat in that conference. They won the conference by three full games over anybody else. So they are clearly the team to beat. I think the upside is, is a three seed. I, there's no way I see them getting higher than that. Um, they get to the conference final. Um, I, by that time, seeds are probably determined. I think they get themselves to the three line and they don't move off. I think that's right. I think that's right where they can get to is the three. I don't see, you know, it's San Diego State, Florida State, Villanova, and Creighton as the two seeds right now. Kentucky is listed as the top four seed. And Creighton, which could go out to St. John's, right? They're going to have the built-in excuse of their point guards out. Right. Marcus Zagorowski yeah. had an MCL injury. And I'm not making the excuse, injury. but the committee can use that as... Right. And, and maybe and they get Creighton, dinged a seed line. Maybe Creighton they has had the much better season yeah. compared to you. Yes. They deserve that yeah. spot. At least the at least the three over the two. Yes, correct. Um, and then in the three, even the three, some of them are going to be hard to jump to, especially if they win some games in their conference tournament. So it's very possible they end up even as, even as, as a four, a four seed, yeah. if they don't make if they don't end up winning the SEC championship. I'm with you, though. I think uh, now let me ask you if, if both Michigan State and Michigan State could be on the two line too, but if both Michigan State and Louisville on the three seed line, Kentucky beat them both. Well, right now Louisville has dropped down to the third four seed yeah. on bracket matrix, so they're behind Kentucky. I don't see a way in which Louisville vaults over them. Kentucky yeah, that's at probably this good. point, good. regardless yeah. of way the way the conference tournaments go. Um, and if Kentucky, I think the only way they move up to the three seed is probably if they they get to the finals and and uh, maybe even win it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Maryland and uh, Maryland and Seton Hall are both potentials to slip out of that three seed line. I think maybe, but I both I think both of them have a good showing in their conference tournaments too. So yeah. All right, let's switch gears here. NFL teams are allowed to negotiate with the agents of prospective unrestricted free agents during a two day period beginning Monday, March sixteenth. The legal tampering period and ending on Wednesday, just before four p.m. That's when free agency actually begins. Skinny, what do you expect the Bengals to do in free agency? They say they're going to be active, but for them, active means not waiting till the last second, but maybe waiting for the first wave to go by and then going to the next tier level of guys. Could we give them the Reds front office maybe. for free agency period? Maybe. I kind of like, I, I mean, I wouldn't the mind Reds that. have at least brought excitement to the offseason now in Cincinnati, right? Yes. Like, they have, they're taking swings. It's not yes. always the, the best ideas necessarily. Yes. But they're trying. The Bengals don't try. Look, you, to me... You have to add, you have to add a productive, successful NFL offensive lineman, and maybe, maybe it's not in free agency. Maybe you actually work a trade. I mean, there's a couple of places to go um, that you could maybe work a trade. But if not, you have to, you have to get. I, I don't, I'm not doing that through the draft anymore. I've heard a couple of people well, you get a great lineman in the second round. Okay, so here's what you're going to put: a rookie quarterback with a rookie left tackle in Jonah Williams, and a rookie right tackle that you take in and the draft. a second year left guard. Yeah, is that what you're going to? Is that really what you want to do? Come on. Well, no. I've got an idea for you. What do you think about bringing one Andrew Whitworth back for a stopgap year I, I, I think or two? Be great. I think he's going to be available in free agency. As long as you can convince him, and I think you could, to play right tackle, 
I think I'd do it in a heartbeat. I think I'd absolutely do it in a heartbeat. I, I, to me, that's one that makes a lot of sense. His LSU, family, LSU guy, LSU quarterback. His family likes the area. Family likes the area already. I mean, to, I, I do it in a heartbeat. That's one where it seems like if you. It gives you potential to make next year's team better right away. Yes. Because he knows everything that you need that position to know. He's going to be a baseline of solid. He may he how, may be too how, old to be good. How about him helping mentor Jonah Williams, too? It, it Do the ups suck. and downs of his rookie year as a left tackle. It wouldn't suck to have that. Um, that's and one let's that say I think Jonah I Williams bombs. I don't think he will. Maybe then Witt has to play a little left tackle. I mean, not the end of the world. Right. The man has proven he can still play he's, at a solid level. He's slipping. Level. There's no question. If you watched him this past year, he's slipping. But I'd rather have him at right tackle than Bobby Hart at right tackle, right? You think? Yeah, no question. So yeah, I, I think I think that that makes some sense. I do think the other one is, I think they'll probably be very active looking at corner. They've they've signed a bunch of they signed a Canadian League guy. They signed a guy off the Packers. Probably they're trying to get bodies at the position because I think you're going to see Drake Kirkpatrick not come back. I think they're going to end up. Swallowing his dead cat money, which is better than swallowing his base salary money for this coming year. Um, William Jackson's coming off shoulder surgery, and he's supposed to be ready by training camp. But even he slipped a little bit. I think you need to go that route. I think you need to go that route in the draft too. And I think you have to add a linebacker. I mean, you yeah, have you have right as we said, you have one starting caliber linebacker on your roster. Right and now. which one is that? Jermaine, Jermaine Pratt? Pratt. And he only started yeah. the last eight games, and the jury's still out on him. Yeah, I was going to say he maybe knows about twenty percent of the system right, right now. Right. I, I, I to me. My thought process right now, after looking over kind of the available players, and there are some offensive linemen and linebackers available in this year's free agency class. Now, some of those guys might end up re-signing with their, their current team, but I think I'd be looking hard at trying to get Whitworth for whatever you can get. I'm sure it's not super cheap, but it's not... I don't it's think it's break the bank. It's, no, one, it's probably a one-year deal. You're not taking a huge swing yeah. at a, with a guy like Whitworth, and then you go and you, you make your swing at linebacker. To me, you have got to get a productive linebacker to Absolutely. even have a chance next year. Because the thing is, all you need to do is add one. You really do, because you're, you're not playing three linebacker sets very often in this league anymore, and it seems no. like it's less and less and less. Get one guy to go alongside Pratt yes. that has a little bit of stability and knows what he's doing. Get get, get a, either a second or third round. In fact, the last, last mock draft I did, you can find it on local12.com, mock draft 3.0. I had him taking linebackers in rounds three and four. I'm going to load up there. I'm going to get as many bodies as I can. I'm getting one in free agency, and I, I'm going to start to re that position because if if not you can't just keep stopgapping this you can't bring in AJ Hawk at the end of his career and Carlos Dansby at the end Preston of his career Brown. and Preston Brown stop it go get somebody that can play that would be nice yeah that so that's my thought yeah, process I, I, I'm with you go cheaper on the offensive lineman with a total veteran and a guy that you already know and trust and then take your big swing at linebacker. Yeah, and if you want to draft the kid in the second round or whatever, I don't think you do. But if you want to do that, that's fine. Then he becomes the swing backup guy, and he learns for a year or so. And then you can find out if he can play a little bit. That'd be fine with me. All right, one more topic here, Skinny. The Cleveland Indians star shortstop Francisco Lindor said in a recent interview that he and the Indians have suspended contract negotiation talks with opening day approaching, allegedly. With Lindor being two seasons away from free agency and considering the Indians discussed trading him this offseason, it seems likely that he could be traded at some point either during this season or maybe even next offseason. CBS named the Reds as the team most likely to pull off a trade for Lindor. What do you think the Reds should be willing to give up in order to get Lindor? I, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I cannot believe it. I'd give up Nick Senzel. I, I would do yeah. it. Oh, yeah. I would do it. And I, I would I do it. And if it cost me another prospect along with it, a Jonathan India, whatever, I, I think I'd do it. That's where I start questioning it. To me, it's like I'm willing to give up a piece like Senzel, a main guy, a guy that they want. But 
I I get real leery about getting into too many because Francisco Lindor is not a guy the Reds can win with long term. They can take him for one or two years. And that's all you need him for because guess who's coming? Garcia's coming, right? I mean, no, he is. <laughs> we hope. We hope. I mean, he, dude, he keeps raking. I know. And the the, the well, we might not, what, you uh, might not need Lindor if Garcia might be the guy right away. Not this year. I think we we talked about it on last week's podcast. Obviously, I mean, he's he's going to spend a year in the and, minors. And Lindor is signed through twenty twenty two. Yes, so, so you get two more years out. of And him. here's the thing: yeah, it's going to add to your already highest payroll ever, which is another problem. But it's not a complete break. We're not talking to Joey Votto twenty five million. Job here. Look, you've dipped your toe pretty far. In fact, you've dipped a whole leg in the water, right? You've dipped a leg and maybe even part of your other leg in the water, and you're maybe ankle deep. Let's go ahead and get that thing up to knee deep and let's be done. Okay, you're almost there. I, I'm not going through a season of Freddie Galvis as my shortstop, and you're not going to get a full season out of Freddie Galvis, and you're not going to get a productive season out of Freddie Galvis. I know Blandino was a first round pick and all the, or high pick, whatever, and, and the jury's still out on him. Francisco Lindor is a dude. You put another dude in that lineup, Holy cow, suddenly, I mean, think, think about it. You're going to end up having Joey Votto hit seventh before all is said and done. I mean, you really are. That might be a good spot for him. Okay. I'm great. Yeah. It tells me how strong my lineup is, does it not? I would agree. I, look, I, I, I'm hesitant on Lindor to go all in and put together too much of a package for a team that may be desperate to deal him here in a year. Fair enough. I but, don't know that they have a lot of but, buyers but, but would right you, now. But would you give up Senzel? Yes. Yeah, okay. Senzel without question. Yeah. It goes past, and that's and that's where the what, the framework with which I was going to approach this question all along. If the if the answer is it's Senzel, and then a couple of prospects, a throw whatever. in yeah, whatever, right, 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 do it in a heartbeat. Yes. If the answer is they need Senzel, and then one of your other top prospects to go with it, like like if they want Jose Garcia in the mix, hell no, no, I'm not giving. I'm not point, doing yeah. that. Yeah. Because again, there's no way the Reds can win with Lindor long term. They can't re-sign him after the two years are up. So you have but, but, him, but, but you also have only about a two-year window before you have to start making tough decisions again. Anyway, that's a fair point. But I think you, the Reds, also need to keep an eye on the future at all times, right? Yes. This is now kind of a revolving window that you. But this gotta, buys you a couple of seasons of doing that. Of of if if you don't give away too much. If fair you enough. give away that's fair. Senzel, I agree. Yeah, okay, you bought yourself some time, you gave yourself a, a real dude, like you said, and a chance to compete right now legitimately. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still the old, and I'm probably old school with this. A prospect is a prospect until he's not a prospect any longer, right? A prospect is a suspect. And, and it goes, to the t- everybody freaked out about Taylor Trammell, and all you had to do was start looking at his numbers in the minors, and they were going backwards. And it's like, yeah, I know you think he's a dude, but he ain't proven to be a dude, and I'm going to have to give him up to get something. I'm with you, but I'd, re- I'd prefer if you're going to start giving up the guys that have real value real trade value those big time prospects you do it for someone that you're trying to make a centerpiece going forward All for right. a couple years I'll give you that. and Lindor is a guy look they're not going to trade him right now it's going to be middle of this season if you yes, have a chance probably. to get and that's fine. The best. And, th- and in that case you're only getting him for maybe a year because maybe you trade him in the middle of the season next right. year or a year and a half or you're just going to let him but walk listen, at the end of it if you're a game out of first place and shortstop is a major issue you got to go for it man you got to go for it but that's the nice thing is the reds will have the luxury of seeing where they're at in the middle of this season when that time comes around because i don't think there's a we saw this offseason i don't think there's a buyer right now for francisco Lindor. the asking price is going to be too high middle of the season though could be a different story and the reds might be the team in the best position to do something and that that also look when you're looking at his contract that chunk takes a you know four months of the contract that cleveland had to pay for so you're down to as you mentioned a year a year and two months of the contract to pay it really isn't even a huge financial burden at that point it really isn't no it's not all right rick um 
Hopefully, when we're talking next week, we're talking some NCAA tournament. We'll be back on uh, the day before, we hope. I mean, we'll definitely be back to talk, but hopefully we got an NCAA tournament to talk about. Yeah, uh, hopefully we have anything to talk about. We could point. have opening day canceled. We could have the March Madness canceled. You and I are going to be talking eSports You know what we'll week. talk about? Favorite sports movies of all time. Well, or maybe works. least favorite sports movies that. of all time. I caused time. a little controversy yes, on Twitter this week. Because honestly, go look at yourself in the mirror, Ollie. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You're Ollie. You know what? I did see some pictures from the uh, Horizon League tournament of Jim and I calling the games, and I do have a punchable face. Yeah, I'm oh, starting to there's get no it. question. Yeah. yeah, everybody knows that. All right, for Rick Boring, I'm Richard Scare. Thanks for being with us. It's the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition.